It is midday, April 30th here in Draft Shark Studios East for NFL Draft Weekend. And of course, if you're a Draft Shark, what are you going to be doing in between the first round and the second round of the NFL Draft? You're going to be drafting, and that's what we're doing right now. I'm Matt Schauf. I'm here with Mike Shope and Adam Krautwurst. We are doing an FFPC Best Ball Draft Live. I started off this draft with the first pick, Christian McCaffrey. Mike, uh, you're picking seven in this draft. Who did you take to get going? Hey, Matt, I went with Jonathan Taylor. For no reason I'm really sure of, I'm sort of avoiding Derrick Henry. I guess I've been doing that a few years running and just kind of think eventually I'll be right, but it hasn't happened yet. Just um, I'll take Taylor over Henry because I feel just more confident in his, uh, you know, not running out of gas, I guess. All else equal. Is Jonathan Taylor who you're going to consistently take in that spot, or are you – between him and anybody else. I was prepared to take Acres at seven, but partly because we have a history uh, with Acres uh, in this group. So I would have taken Acres over Henry, but Taylor slipped. I'm pretty sure the guy ahead of me didn't make his pick willingly with Michael <laughs> Thomas. It looks like an error. Adam, you're at nine in this in this draft, so you're going to be coming up at pick four in round two. Who got you started here? Yeah, I took Zeke Elliott. Uh, he was kind of the last of the running backs there that I was looking at. Uh, so I'm really excited that I got him because I, I don't like going receiver early in best balls. So um, I'm glad that I got Zeke, and hopefully, hopefully the guy I'm looking for falls to me in the second here. We'll be curious to see if the guy you're looking for, because I don't even know who it is. I'm upstairs in the house. Adam's downstairs, so he's got he's keeping the secrets to himself and trying not to let Kevin sneak over his shoulder and see who he's about to pick. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm fighting him off over over here. <laughs> how about how about the status of the two Packers? Not to give each other's clues away here, but there's there are Jones and Adams might have changed last night. Their values might have changed last night. There's definitely potential impact. I think there's room for people to alter their plans for those two guys. I'm going to draft as though Aaron Rodgers is on the team right now because it sounds like teams were calling the Packers saying, hey, what's it going to take to get Aaron Rodgers? And the Packers are saying it's going to take the entire front office dying because he's not going anywhere no matter how he feels about Stiggs. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I, you know, I don't think it really affects Aaron Rodgers. I'm sorry, um, Aaron Jones either, either way. Um, Adams, if he does leave – it affects him greatly. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going anywhere, but we'll see. Adams is slipping a little, little bit here in, in ADP, so maybe I'll just keep talking him down so he falls to me in two picks. Yeah, Mike, I, I saw people saying yesterday that the Packers don't really have leverage here because uh, Aaron Rodgers can just sit out, but to me, Aaron Rodgers is also lacking some leverage because the Packers can just say, fine, if you're not going to play, we drafted your replacement last year, so you know, do whatever you want. Yeah, that's right. Love means incredibly didn't even take a snap for them, wasn't even the backup for them. But after last night, last night it seemed like there were options, or there might have been, the Denver rumors and before that San Francisco. But now I don't know. Like the Raiders, I mean, is that maybe the only possibility? I don't I don't know what happens now. I don't know where. Like I, Rogers may have to choose between the Packers or, or hosting Jeopardy or not playing. Like I, It doesn't feel like there are two. The options for last night have diminished and – it, it definitely it definitely matters when it comes to Adams. Maybe Rodgers plays. Maybe he's at the point of his career where he doesn't need to, doesn't need it. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it would be nice to be able to get in on the mindset there. Obviously, we we can only watch it from outside and see what happens. I would think that if they were going to trade him, they probably would have gotten their best offer last night before some of these quarterback needy teams landed their quarterback and don't need Aaron Rodgers so much anymore. Matthew Stafford brought back a pretty good haul this offseason, so I have a hard time believing that there wasn't a team willing to give something similar for Aaron Rodgers. I know he's, he's a little bit older than Matthew Stafford, but, I mean, you have to assume that they have – a similar amount of time left if Aaron Rodgers wants to play that long. Yeah, so I, I took Adams in the second round. Um, I took him as the wide receiver three, which is, you know, I think he's been consensus wide receiver one, I think. So I'll take that little dip and hopefully Rodgers comes back or stays and everything works itself out. Yeah. That's with Michael Thomas as wide receiver one, though, by the that's way. That's true. But yes. Yeah, that is true. And Devontae Adams going around, too, is certainly something that wasn't happening before there was questions about Aaron Rodgers. So we'll see what happens as we get a little bit further past the reports on this. Um, looking at this draft, too, just to see uh, how things are going, because people probably care a little bit more about that than they do about what we think about Aaron Rodgers. George Kittle going at 208 in this draft is pretty late for an FFPC draft. He and Darren Waller have been following Travis Kelsey in round 180 feet at this point. Does that surprise you at all, Mike? You know, not really. I don't know the players maybe as well as you guys do in this group, but San Francisco is, of course, a team that drafted a rookie, and so there's uncertainty there about what that will look like, uh, and that might be all of it. You know, um, for me, I wanted to have a two-running-back start, and Chubb was on a tier above the other options for me there. So Swift would have been a close call, but Chubb over Kittle was easier. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, Chubb, I like more than Kittle. I think it's it's one of those things where you, do you get the top one of the top three tight ends, and then or do or do you wait? You know, so it looks like um, you'll be you'll you'll be waiting like like the rest of us, unless you want to unless you want to jump up and take your take your guy who now has a team, the the Atlanta Falcons. So uh, we will we will see how that works out. And I'm on the clock here at the turn. I had to refresh the draft room, but uh, now I'm back, oh, ready to take some, ready to take some players. It's kind of tough for me to pass on running back at this turn, but I think I'm going to have to double up on wide receivers. Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, both making it to the end of round two, the 2-3 turn. You know, I'm not sure if both of them are going to deliver on their promise, but the way they each played last year, I'm certainly willing to bet that one of the two is tremendous, at, at the very least on a week-to-week -week basis for best ball purposes this season, and, and quite possibly – they both deliver big time. A.J. Brown, we'll see if the if the Titans go a little bit more toward the pass. I don't think they're going to go pass heavy because all they did was promote from within to replace Arthur Smith as offensive coordinator. But, you know, we'll see if maybe they throw the ball a little bit more. And either way, A.J. Brown's set up to dominate targets in that offense. So I feel pretty good about A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson at the 2-3 turn. It was it was tough for me to pass on the running backs at that spot, though. Yeah. Uh, who, who would you have taken, Matt, if, if – uh... Do you like Brown over over Jefferson, or what would you like? If it was earlier in the second, you had had to choose. I do like AJ Brown better than Justin Jefferson. I, it's close though. They're the kind of players that if I'm drafting five times, I'm not taking the same guy five times, and it's probably right. three for one and two for the other. Yeah. Uh, Justin Jefferson, I, I honestly don't know. It was last year the beginning of what's going to be a special career, or was it like this season went? as well as it possibly could have from week three on. And he's bound to see, you know, some slight regression this year. Maybe it's a healthier Adam Thielen. Maybe, you know, they just spread it around a little bit more and things just don't work out quite as well for him. 
either way, I think he's going to have to fall significantly to disappoint at that level. And I, I don't expect, you know, a truly, you know, a, a true slump season from him in year two. Yeah, no, I, li- I like him a lot. Yeah, it's, he's going to get the volume there too, for, for sure. I like I I like that PFF likes him, Adam. That's enough for me. Listen, if that if that works for you, that works for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean there By was the a whole lot to dislike about Justin Jefferson last year. Um, let's talk about who you guys picked in round two as well. Adam, did you end up getting the guy that you were hoping to would make it to you at two hundred four? Was that Devonte Adams? It wasn't. I'm trying to think. I've, I've already moved down. I'm trying to think of who it was. <laughs> um, Aaron Jones. I was hoping for for Aaron Jones actually. Yep. So. Uh, yeah, there were uh, Adams was the best player available to me. I um, but again, I was hoping to snag one of these running backs in the third round. So Heinz, I was hoping to get Miles Sanders, Najee Harris, or Edwards Alaire, but they just went three in a row here. So you know, hindsight, maybe I should have been running back in the second. And after, so Aaron Jones went at the top of round two. Then it was Darren Waller. Then it was DeAndre Swift. Uh, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Nick Chubb to Mike's team, DeAndre Hopkins, George Kittle, Joe Mixon, Josh Jacobs, Antonio Gibson, Justin Jefferson. Mike, are you surprised to see Josh Jacobs get into round two with, you know, the questions that Kenyon Drake signing brings to Las Vegas? Yes. I think I would have taken Harris above the three running backs picked before him, Edwards, Hilaire, Dobbins, and Gibson. I think I would have taken Harris above all those guys and Sanders. I mean, it was, of course, widely expected what happened last night, but I still, I mean, you got to love it. I think he's the clear one quarterback rookie 101 after last night. I don't see how that, you know, changes. There was a lot of different possibilities. Unless you like Pitts that much or Chase that much, I feel like, I mean, at least Harris versus ETN got cleared up. Yeah, and I liked ETN a little bit better. They were close already as prospects, but with Najee Harris going to a team that clearly wants to give him a dominant workload and Travis ETN going to a team that has multiple running backs in play, I think it's pretty clearly Najee Harris now. Interesting that that's brought up because Adam just took Travis ETN at 309, his third pick. Adam, how are you feeling about Travis ETN in Jacksonville? You know, I don't love it, but Smola's got me thinking Alvin Kamara type stuff over here. So, uh, you know, I'm thinking 12 carries, maybe six targets a game. They obviously like him there. They, you know, they have a fine running back in James Robinson that they just drafted another guy over in the first round. So um, they clearly like him a lot. We'll see where his ADP kind of levels out towards the summer. But I needed a running back uh, horribly, and so I took uh, I took ETN. I think that the talent comp with Alvin Kamara definitely makes sense. The problem for me with Travis Etienne in Jacksonville is Alvin Kamara has been in a New Orleans offense that has not had a whole lot in terms of threatening pass catchers beyond Michael Thomas. It's Thomas, Kamara, Emmanuel Sanders was there for a little bit. Jared Cook was masquerading as a pass catching threat there. But otherwise, they've been a little light on wide receivers for a little while. So there were targets available in an efficient offense. Jacksonville's got DJ Chark. They've got LaVisca Chenault. They added Marvin Jones this offseason. They signed some other lower-level wide receivers. They signed Carlos Hyde. So the ball is going to be getting passed around. I certainly think Travis Etienne is the highest ceiling performer, talent in that backfield, but I'm not sure that – I don't know. I'm not sure what the ceiling is just from a production standpoint. I think after tonight he'll be no better than rookie running back four. Four? 
I mean, Miami and the Jets to me are two teams that I would almost guarantee are in the running back market tonight. Now it's not a, there's not a deep crop. Last year was a much better crop, but Javante Williams is going to be one of them, and then I would guess Gainwell or Carter, one of those guys, just lands right the way who Gibson did. Maybe that's not the best example, but. I, I think I, that that's compromise. I mean, Robinson is worth something to the Jaguars. He's, he, a lot of people thought he wouldn't just be the clear bell cow again, but he's got to be worth something to them. Urban Meyer today talked about ETN as a third down back. Eventually, he'll win out, but I don't. I don't like. I wouldn't touch him right now. I wouldn't touch him. So that that was an interesting quote from Urban Meyer. I, he said, "I mean, I, I think that he." conceded that their plan is developing. And I mean, it's April, the end of April. So I'm sure that that's the case. He hasn't even seen these players live on field in a practice for the Jaguars yet. So, you know, he did say, I, I, I see James and I see Carlos Hyde as first and second down, downhill runners. And Travis Etienne is at least a third down back who's a matchup nightmare. Now for me, if, I, if a team drafts a running back in round one, and his coach is talking about him as a matchup nightmare. That's not what I want to hear. I want to hear them talking about how he's going to get the ball a ton. We love him. And he upgrades our offense. So I definitely agree on that point. I think we're going to have to see this summer what further reports are saying about roles. But I, I, I agree. It's tough to get, if, as you're projecting it now, it's tough to get more than 150 carries for Travis Etienne, which hurts. I hate the pick for Jacksonville. They're bad everywhere. What are you doing drafting a running back in the first round after drafting Trevor Lawrence when you're bad everywhere? I just, I don't know. Yeah. I thought it was really sort of a arrogant kind of pick. Yeah, they should have taken an offensive tackle, uh, but they can still get an offensive tackle here where they got the first pick in the second round. So there's still a couple of good tackles there. Uh, and Mike, I was, I was, you know, I was going to tell you to hush for a second because I was waiting on Javante Williams to fall to me here. <laughs> Oh, crazy. Over well, there. you guys are more experienced than me at drafting and broadcasting at the same time. I'm not. No, that, no, a lot of that. You, did, you did the right thing. I just. I'm the broadcaster I'm first. I'm the broadcaster first. For $35, the show comes first. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, I took. So, exactly what you said. I think Javante Williams is going to land in a real nice spot today and to get him in the fourth round. I like him in the fourth better than I like ETN in the third. But I was thinking, you know, I wanted ET, I wanted Javante more than ETN, but I thought I could wait. And he fell into my lap in the fourth, so uh, I'm, ha- I'm happy about that. Yeah, he's in a great position to be Atlanta's pick early in round two. Would not be at all surprised if he goes there, and that would be at least right. as good a landing spot as Najee Harris in Pittsburgh. Right. Yeah. So Adam did get his guy, Javante Williams. Before that, in round three, we had A.J. Brown, of course, to me, I mentioned, J.K. Dobbins, D.K. Metcalf right after that, Clyde Edwards-Elair, Najee Harris, Miles Sanders, Calvin Ridley, Keenan Allen, Travis Etienne, Allen Robinson, Terry McLaurin, C.D. Lamb to close out round three. The running backs I was considering at that last turn were uh, Miles Sanders, Najee Harris, maybe CEH, but I think it would have taken either of the other two, and it probably would have been Najee Harris among them. So that was a little bit of a dilemma. Do I take a, a young wide receiver that I know is good, or do I take the running back? I expect to get a bunch of touches for an offense that should be good, but I don't know for sure about yet. You know, we'll see if I come to regret that over these next few picks, seeing what is there for me at running back. Certainly starting with Christian McCaffrey is a big help. Round four has started with Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen at one, two as the first two quarterbacks off the board. Amari Cooper, Javante Williams to Adams team, Chris Carson, Mark Andrews, and now Chase Edmonds at 407. So, Adam, 
Are you feeling pretty good about having both ETN and Javante Williams uh, expecting at least one of them to hit for you this year? Exactly. Yeah, I expect uh, Javante uh, right now I like a little bit better, even though I don't even know where he's landing. But if he goes to Atlanta or even the Jets or something, something like that, or maybe even Miami, um, I liked him a lot. ETN, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to take that yet. Um, again, if he can catch a ton of passes over there, we don't know what type of offense they're going to roll out. But um, I like my three running backs to start upside. Uh, two guys with big upside. Zeke, if he can, um, you know, get, get back to get back to form. Uh, I like my my three running backs uh, in the first four rounds here. I think this is the first draft yet where I've been gasping what to see David Montgomery go off the board before my pick. I was hoping that he was going to make it to yeah. 412. I would have felt good about that. Uh, but he did just leave the board at 408. So probably not going to be a running back for me this turn. And then we're going to see where things go from there. I noticed that too. Montgomery, just what does he got to do, right? Their, their offense, you, you might want to be just as optimistic. I know you're off Damian Williams or it's not interested in Damian Williams having any sort of meaningful place in the backfield. We've talked about that. So... I mean, what did Montgomery rank last year? Top five, six? What was he? Somewhere in there, right? For the year? Finished sixth or eighth, something like that. Yeah. A lot of that's the same. The quarterback will be different, but not worse. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't mind that Montgomery pick at all, for sure. And then I see, I keep seeing Julio go here. So Vooch, uh, my buddy Sam Gallo, took Julio Jones at the 410. I keep seeing him go in the late fourth, early fifth. Are we, uh, do we, do, do we like that pick? I like Julio there. Yeah, I was hoping that he was going to get to 12 once David Montgomery left, so he didn't. That's why I, I fell a little silent for a second there trying to figure out what I want to do. I'm going Kyler Murray because I don't love what's next at the other position, so I figure I might as well take high upside at quarterback at that spot, and then I'll, I'll fill in the gaps in the other positions later on. Uh, now i got to decide what's going to be the next pick. Um, Mike, how do you feel about your pick back in round four? Well, Andrews is a, one of my favorites. I mean, I, I'm still optimistic about Baltimore, Jackson, Andrews, the whole thing. I like the Bateman pick last night. I mean, Andrews has proven a lot. Tight end premium. I thought about Pitts there, too, but I have Ridley. So I will take uh, my chances with Andrews there. I think the drop-off is pretty much next. Hawkinson is interesting, but I, I, I always like Andrews. So and Montgomery would have been interesting to do. Three running backs like that and then cross your fingers on tight end. Mm -hmm. I thought about Hawkinson at the 4-5 turn right there, but I didn't pull the trigger. Decided to go with Kareem Hunt around the turn at 5-0-1. I mean, running back's going to get ugly pretty soon. I can't say that I love Kareem Hunt at that point. If Nick Chubb gets hurt, obviously Kareem Hunt takes a big jump. But when Nick Chubb was healthy, and even late in the year, Kareem Hunt's work fell off a little bit. So, I mean, he's okay. So there's a, a nice week-to-week -week ceiling, but uh, I think this is probably the range where Kareem Hunt belongs as opposed to being a player that excites me in this round. Yeah, that I mean, we all we all know it that the running back cliff that you get to yeah. around here or even a little earlier is sort of it's it's what you're used to. Following that Mark Andrews pick, we did have Chase Edmonds go at 407, as I said, David Montgomery at 408, Mike Evans at 409, Julio Jones at 410, Chris Godwin at 411. So, I mean, once I saw Montgomery go, those next three picks are probably the three guys that I would have taken at one of those spots at the four or five turn. I probably would have been Kyler Murray and one of those receivers. They all went. So scramble a little bit, but again, I think Kareem Hunt's okay. I did take Kyler Murray, Kareem Hunt around the four or five turn. Now we're into round five. Dak Prescott just went off the board. A healthy Dak Prescott is right there with Kyler Murray for me. I think at the moment I'm gonna I'm gonna have to wait until the summer 
to see that Dak Prescott is back to that level after the ankle injury. You know, not that I'm doubting he's going to produce this year, but, you know, just a mobile guy coming off the ankle injury. I want to make sure that things are fine before I have him quite that. Yeah, I like uh, Prescott this year for sure. I like, you know, I I liked him last year. He's got top three upside. Um, but you know, so does um, so so does Kyler Murray. But I just like I love the weapons in in Dallas, and I just think that they're gonna kind of pick up where they left off before he got he got hurt. Kev dog here with the with the Kyle Pitts pick at five five oh four. How do we feel, Mike? How, how do you feel about that? Is, is he? Did, I feel like it's fine. Did he fall a little, a little too far for you, or what? I, I don't mind it at all. I, I think Andrews Pitts Hawkinson. Why not? Like I, I like I think Hawkinson is a, is good value right now, yep. but I mean you could take that chance on Pitts. You're trying to win this thing, and he he could be tight end, top three tight end. I mean he he's talked about as the most amazing thing ever to happen at the position. So we did have after Dak Prescott, Melvin Gordon went at five hundred three, Kyle Pitts to Kevin at five hundred four, as the guys mentioned, DJ Moore at five hundred five. Kyle Pitts, I considered around the turn. I'm just not ready to make that call yet. I don't know, especially with TJ Hawkinson. Dallas Goddard's still on the board. I'm not sure that I see a higher ceiling for Pitts this season than those guys and knowing that I could wait a little bit and still have shots at him and still be fine even if I miss them. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Kyle Pitts just proves to be that good right away. Um, But I don't know. I guess I'm waiting to see on a a position that's traditionally – disappointing in that first season yeah so mike got lamar how, how, did, how do you feel about that love it yeah I, he's my favorite player in the league yeah i just yeah i love it yeah and it's especially a nice stack i think with mark andrews and i mean it's not late it's round five but late enough for lamar jackson who has showed us that he has the upside to be the dominant number one fantasy quarterback in a given season especially now that he's got a wide receiver rashad bateman in the first round of the draft that can only help him I like that too. I, they still have not really changed enough, appar- apparently, about their offense. The coordinator's the same. They tried at wide receiver in free agency. They came down with Sammy Watkins, but they were in on Galladay. They were in on Juju, right? There was someone else too. Like they, they tried, but this Bateman is nice. And, you know, last year was what Jackson is with, with the worst circumstances the, the lack of receiver talent, the, the COVID factor, just it was a tough year for him. And there were no amazing smash games or very few of them after a year where he only delivered them. I just think I, I'd expect his production to go up. I think I think he's great. Yeah, I think T.Y. Hilton was another one that they tried to sign before he went back to the Colts. Adam just took another rookie. He's going rookie mad here. Jamar Chase in round five. Adam, are you trying to recapture some youth in your old age? Absolutely. Yeah, I love I love Jamar Chase. I love the landing spot. I want them to go offensive tackle in the second round here to protect Joe Burrow and then just sling it all over the yard. So uh, I'm hoping to get hopefully nobody's listening, but I'm hoping to get uh T. Higgins on, on this next pick here, get this nice little stack working. But, uh but yeah, no, I like him. I, I just don't know how the targets are gonna be d- divvied up, which is why in best ball I don't mind uh taking a shot on him in the fifth round for the spike weeks. And hopefully I can get T Higgins here um, so that it doesn't matter. And, uh, and yeah, no, I love, I love, I love Chase. Matt, when we did one of these together early in the off season, didn't Adam take like six rookies? <laughs> Probably. Yes. Yeah. I had Chase and I think I had the 
Burrow, Higgins, Dick, or something. I, I don't remember. But, yeah, no, I like I like to get value on these rookies. You know what I mean? Sunday will be a great day to look up all these boards that we've been doing. Like, who did we pick? Which of the rookies did we take our chances on, and where did they end up? I haven't done any of that yet. But, you know, tonight's a great night for that being all sorted out. Yep. Who's, who's the explorer that was always chasing the fountain of youth? Is that Ponce de Leon? Yes. 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 Are we going with would just go with Ponce Krautwurst or is Ponce he, de uh, Krautwurst? It's Krout right. de Leon. Krout de Leon. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's the off-season version that we get from Adam. So you gotta love knowing the plan going in. It certainly makes it easier to draft with you because I know that if I'm looking at a rookie or a veteran, I can count on the veteran getting back to me in my next turn. <laughs> exactly. I don't, I don't want these old timers. Let's get this this young blood out here, okay? <laughs> Just make sure that you don't say any of your plans too uh, too loud with Kevin sitting close to you, ready to snipe. No, oh, boy, he's over there sniping. Snipe. Look at him. He's got he's got his hands in the air like he just scored a touchdown over there. Look at him. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Let's check in on Kevin's team real quick because I haven't really tracked it beyond the Kyle Pitts selection. Uh, you, you already know he's got Joe Mixon. You don't even got to look. <laughs> was that him? Make that pick. Yeah, he also took sure Mike was. Evans at 409. Let's see if I can check the draft board. Couldn't get the draft board working well enough to share in the view for anybody following along the uh, video. But. Well, for people who can't follow along, I just got the T. Higgins Jamar Chase stack locked. Oh, look out. Pack up my briefcase and leave. We're done. Now you just need to draft a knee ligament for Joe Burrow in round one. <laughs> well, maybe he's the next pick. Watch out. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're kind of committing to that at this point. And then uh, I, I'm guessing round 18 is CJ Uzama territory for you. <laughs> there it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we have confirmation. It's T. Higgins to Adam's team. All the young Bengals wideouts to Adam, which, I mean, <laughs> you know, to be fair, betting on Bengals is always a good bet. <laughs> yeah. So after that, James Robinson is going to be a funny name to look at in draft rooms for a little while because ADP is going to have him at the 2-3 turn or sometime in round three for a while, he's not going to be going in that range uh, for, for long. So he's one of those that some teams are going to be getting by accident because they accidentally time out. And then James Robinson goes there and we're all going to be staring at him wondering when the right time is to take him. I don't know, Mike, do you have an early take on when you would be okay with drafting James Robinson? No, I mean, today is a new day uh, for that question. And has he gone yet? He's still on the board. He, he's, wow. he's the 33rd player. He's got an ADP of 36-6, so that's right at the end of round three. But, I mean, it's, I'll be surprised if he goes before the end of round six. It's going to be hard It's going to be hard to figure out because they've invested in ETN, and he was such a spectacular college player. You know, you know Jacksonville, starting today, they're going to tell you Robinson matters. Just like they told you last week that he was their number one running back, you know, whatever. It just doesn't mean anything. So the, the presumption will be that ETN will have a significant role. They also have Chark and Chenault, and they have like a pretty good group of skill guys where if they, cut, if they cut into Robinson significantly, which you'd probably expect, where does that leave him? I don't know. Like around the Buffalo guys? Does that put him oh, – man, it's tough. It's, it's just – it was the worst-case scenario for his dynasty managers. Yeah, it was kind of the worst-case scenario for both James Robinson and Travis Etienne in terms of, of fantasy yes. outlook. And the other factor here is that it's a new staff in Jacksonville. It, they don't have anything invested in James Robinson. They saw what he did last year, and then they signed Carlos Hyde, and then they drafted Travis Etienne. So they looked at it and said, eh, James Robinson's fine, but we can improve that area. 
Robinson was yeah. such a great story. And then, you know, you wanted to see him rank this year and for this to not happen. But it just in, in Buffalo, we had Fred Jackson, who wasn't drafted and he was really good. And all the Bills ever did was try to draft somebody they thought would be better than Fred Jackson. And they, they usually failed. They spent numerous high picks on running backs thinking that the guy they had wasn't good enough because they didn't draft him. And so, and that was different coaches too. So I think maybe that sort of, you know, Jackson had a long career. He kept proving himself every year. We'll see if Robinson gets the chance. Yeah. Some teams just don't know when they, you know, luck into something, you know, they lucked into James Robinson, not lucked into it, but you know, he, he's, Oh, he's a fine running back in the NFL. Now you don't have to spend picks on, on, on running backs and they, they went ahead and did it anyways. I mean, imagine, them adding a you know an offensive lineman and then another offensive lineman in the second round. I mean, they'd be able to protect Trevor Lawrence. They've got some some receivers there already, and Lavisca and DJ, and you know it's just just it's I don't know. I think it was a waste a wasted pick, and I would have liked to see ETN somewhere else, you know. But whatever. We did have James Robinson go by the way right before the end of round six, six eleven. He went right before my pick. So we'll we'll see whether that's somebody that the the owner in that spot actually really liked, or if it was just ah, I don't know what else to take. Might as well take a shot on James Robinson here. Um, right after that, honestly, I was kind of searching a little bit. I ended up going for a couple of upside wideouts at the six seven turn. So actually, before we get to my picks, let's recap what happened before that. Um, we mentioned Jamar Chase going to Adam. There was a QB run in round five after Kyler Murray. It was Murray, then Dak Prescott at 502. Then later in the round, we had Lamar Jackson to Mike's team. Russell Wilson, the pick after that. Justin Herbert went early in round six. From the start of round six, we had Dallas Goddard, Deontay Johnson, Justin Herbert, T. Higgins to Adam's team, Tyler Lockett, Cooper Cup, Noah Fant, who probably would have been one of my picks at the 6-7 turn if he made it to me. Robert Woods. Aaron Rodgers, Adam Thielen, James Robinson. Then I took Odell Beckham, DJ Chark. I figure at least one of those two guys has a high enough ceiling for me. And even if neither one hits on a full season basis, they both have weak winning potential individually. It's six, seven turn. I feel comfy betting on Beckham's knee and also DJ Chark rebounding now that he has a quarterback. Yeah, I like I like Chark. I think I took uh, that other draft you guys are talking about. I think I took uh, Chark and Trevor Lawrence in that one too, a uh, little stack. But uh, yeah, I like Chark. I think maybe th- hopefully this year he has the year he was supposed to have last year. He's got a legit franchise QB on, on his side now, and um, yeah, hopefully they can they can work it out. But I think Chark's very uh, very talented. Mike, while we have you, um, this is not anything that's going to help anybody in this draft. And actually, I'll wait until after the pick to ask you the question because I don't want to I don't want to distract you from on the clock with a totally unrelated question. But I'll be curious to know what the early Buffalo reaction is uh, to the pick. I know what Adam's early reaction was watching Gregory Russo come off the clock, but I think Adam's even come around to it a little bit since the initial reaction to the pick. Is that right, Adam? Are you still uncomfy with Gregory Gregory Russo? Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, there was other guys there that I kind of liked better for him. Uh, You know, the the linebacker out of Notre Dame, you know. But, um, yeah, those things where, as as a fan – you then you start to watch the highlights and you you know you hope and you wish and you have all these hopes and dreams for him. But um, I don't I don't think he's angry enough you know to play defensive line. I need I need a guy that's a little, little bit tougher than that. But we'll, we'll see we'll see. <laughs> Definitely too many smiles for a pass rusher. Too so many smiles, way too many smiles. There should be fewer smiles per camera second. That sh- that needs to be a new stat that we track. We want we want a guy <laughs> that sneers like James Harrison when he's being. Uh, interviewed that that yells out profanities like Tack McKinley. Although Adam, maybe the flip side is Tack McKinley. 
I mean, he was cussing on national TV after he got drafted, and he has been garbage since entering the league. That is true. That is true. <laughs> I, I don't I don't have an answer to you for you yet on on what the the fan reaction is. I haven't had a, a minute to really take that in, but I mean, it's just it's the draft. How, how upset do you ever want to be? Right. Like I, I think there are times like the ETN pick by the Jaguars where it just doesn't really make sense. There's no saying that here. You might not like something about the player, but it's the plus. I mean, it, it was considered a need relatively, and it's the kind of team where there just isn't. It's not easy to figure out a way to screw it up. I mean, they have such a complete team. So, with personality types and different other, you know, factors or aspects in a player's game and in their makeup. It just changes a lot, and, and the Bills have shown to be willing to take chances on guys where they think there's a really high ceiling. You know, they, they haven't always hit, especially on defense, but I don't know. I I'm, I don't think I, I, I'll ever get too worked up about a 30th overall pick on, on defense. Like, it's just, it's just too risky to ever talk with any confidence about how it'll go. Oh, sure, and I, I agree with you. Buffalo was well positioned to basically take whatever they wanted to, whatever player they liked best. There was not a, a glaring need, but I do think that Ed Rusher was a spot where they could use some reinforcements because even the guys who are at the top of the depth chart are getting a little old there. And they're also a team that even if they take a prospect that I don't like as much as the next guy, Sean McDermott's been doing this forever. He's been working with Wesley Frazier, who's been doing it forever. Eric Washington, their D-line coach, has been doing his thing forever and has been with those guys for a while. So, I mean, if they pick out a particular edge rusher, I'm not going to say, you guys are idiots. Uh, you should have taken this guy. I'm going to say, oh, I guess we'll see what they do with this player. And he's certainly set up in a spot to succeed more so than he might have been elsewhere. I do like corner for them. Uh, in this draft, and there were options there, Asante Samuel and Syracuse player Mel Fonway. Like there, there are options, but it's still only the end of round one, and I, mm-hmm. I would think that they, they get some somebody, maybe two guys uh, in that role before you know the draft is over. Yeah, so I, I think you know in the league now you can't have enough DBs. You're going to improve your your sack totals by covering better. If you, if you play Patrick Mahomes every week, no matter who your pass rush is, you're not going to have many sacks. Your schedule is your sack total, who the quarterback is, and then also can you stay with your their receivers? And against Kansas City, that's the ball game. <laughs> when, when the Bills could not do that in two to three seconds per play last year, they got they got smoked. All right, so I'm sure everybody's saying shut up about defensive players now. We're, we're looking for a fantasy draft. Adam, in case anybody was wondering, did take Joe Burrow, telegraphed it. Nobody jumped in to stop him from it. It's the entire no. league saying, go ahead, Adam, beat us with Bengals. Yeah, Ke- <laughs> Kevin thought about it, but I, there's a salt and pepper shaker here that I chucked at him across the room. <laughs> but uh, no, I was I was hoping to just get Burrow and then just slide Boyd in there in the eighth round and just, just go crazy. But uh, yeah, no, I love being able to get that stack. I think it's a stack you'll probably be able to get all offseason. If, if if you want it, um, but uh, but yeah, no, that'll that'll be exciting. If, listen, if I'm gonna ch- if I'm gonna take Chase and Higgins, I I have to take the the quarterback, right? That just that just makes sense. So hopefully they can get it right. Hopefully they're defensively awful and they're playing behind every game, and uh, they can put up some fantasy points for me. And then of course, Hogo Team Hogo just snipes Irv Smith from me. So now 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 I got to figure something out here. 
So that that's an interesting higher level question for best ball strategy. If you do take those two wideouts, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, do you make sure to take their quarterback, or did you already take his top two receivers as the bet on Joe Burrow and maybe hedge on that a little bit by not taking the quarterback, just taking the weeks that they give you, avoiding the chance that he's not all the way back with the knee and he disappoints some and maybe just lean away from it. I, I think certainly if it's a tournament style setup, if it's like a, a GPP type of tournament, then you go ahead and take the quarterback. You say, you know, I'm just going to take a shot that these guys at least explode for you know, half of the weeks this year. Um, here, I think there's room to do it either way. Yeah, I think in tournaments, it's more important to to just stack your receivers and quarterback because um, you're you know I've there's statistics out there that show that that's that's the best way to do it for tournaments. I think for single you know thirty five dollar leagues, I don't think it's that important. But um, you know Burrow was there, his ADP was was right. Uh, I like Burrow. The receivers were there, so it just uh, just kind of made sense. It was it was it was fun here. You know, a little post draft stack. We're getting into the range where we're going to have to start guessing whether running backs are going to get replaced. And I was actually looking at Miles Gaskin as an option for my next turn, but he just went off the board. I got to check and see who exactly took him. It seemed like a good, it seemed like a good area to take Miles Gaskin. Round eight, eight oh five. He went to Modern Miracle SM as the team in our league that took him. That was right after Adam took Jerry Judy. Before that, as you mentioned, Irv Smith came off the board. Mike Jasicki. So it's getting into the area where you, you're probably not going to find a tight end that you actually like, and maybe it's grouping some together that you hope to steal uh, tight end one weeks from and put all that together and make a starting tight end, but you're not going to find a weekly guy. Um, Double Paw just took Trevor Lawrence off the board at 807. Before those guys I just mentioned, Jalen Waddle went at 801, Debo Samuel on the other side of the turn, both of those players to Darkwing Ducks team. Mike Davis at the end of round seven, right behind Raheem Mostert. Before that, Joe Burrow to Adams' team, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool back-to-back, Tyler Boyd right before that, Jalen Hurts at 7.05, Cortland Sutton, Robert Tunyon, Logan Thomas, and T.J. Chark I started round seven with. Last night was an interesting spot for Jalen Hurts' owners, both people who already had him and were considering drafting him. I mean, when the Eagles moved up, it was like, are they getting a corner? No, those guys left. Do they want Devontae Smith or – do they like Justin Fields? Did they make the move up to get him as he slid? Turned out it was for Devontae Smith. And, I mean, I don't think there's a bigger possible change in the outlook for Jalen Hurts than those two possibilities is, you know, if they take Justin Fields, maybe Jalen Hurts is never a starter for the Eagles. They took Devontae Smith all of a sudden. He has two high upside young wide receivers to work with. Yeah, we, we had – I had five friends out with me, and we play this little betting game where it's – couple bucks a pick and you just try to get it right and whoever does takes or splits the pot and when Philadelphia made that move with Dallas by the way like I, I got scared because it I, it seemed convincing that they were not going to do that with all the talk about the draft and all the speculation but then for a moment there I thought maybe maybe they would so I was right there with you but Smith made perfect sense for for their offense and for their team that's the level that I expected Devontae Smith not to get past, whether it was the Eagles or somebody else. So I was certainly not surprised. It's interesting that they took him, given that Howie Roseman leans on analytics. You wonder how much of it was him and how much he allowed the coaches and scouts to make the decision. But it's a great landing spot for Devontae Smith because there's immediate opportunity. He could be as much as their wide receiver one this season. I mean, Jalen Rager is a talented guy, but a little slow to begin with and – I don't know that he's more talented than Devontae Smith. I certainly think if you're betting between them, 
you got to consider Devontae Smith probably the, the bigger talent going in. Yeah, I, li- I like Devontae Smith. We'll see how, how he fits there. I mean, Rager didn't have a great year last year. I just think the whole Philly team was just a just, just a mess from, from top to bottom. And I think, I mean, I mean everybody but busted there. Um, so hopefully new coaching, new kind of positive energy there. We'll get everybody on the same page. And, you know, when you when you take a receiver like that early and add him with another first-round pick from last year, you know, that that's exciting. So hopefully Hurts can get together with those guys and get some chemistry going before the season. Hopefully get a nice offseason for all, all the teams to work together and uh, could be could be a good pick for them. After the Mike Jacecki, Irv Smith picks, Adam took Jerry Judy, then Miles Gaskin, as I mentioned. Mike took Marquise Brown, stacking up those Ravens, taking that – post-hype train after the Ravens got put down in Buffalo last year. Trevor Lawrence behind that, Tyler Higby, Devontae Smith, Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford. Then the 8-9 turn for me, Evan Ingram, Robbie Anderson, A.J. Dillon. Evan Ingram I certainly liked more before the Giants added these pass catchers, Kenny Galladay, and then they drafted Kadarius Toney. But, I mean, at 8-12, I'm not even sure what number tight end he is off the board, but went after Tyler Higby, Irv Smith, Mike Jasicki, and a bunch of other guys. I mean, Real I'll team. take a shot on Evan Ingram at this level. Yeah, very interesting team right now, and they go wide receiver again last night. I don't know. Ingram is a disappointment to me, but there's certainly talent. And if, uh, you know, at this point, like you said, it's it's probably worth a shot. I think Anderson is really interesting, too. I mean, it, he had the big start last year for Carolina and then, like, couldn't get in the end zone again, but he's been with Darnold. you got to love the coaching aspect for the for the Panthers um Samuel's gone so I, I feel like Anderson is is sneaky smart the thing that was funny about Robbie Anderson last year is with the Jets he was this downfield guy that was not super efficient on a catch rate basis but big yardage and touchdowns on the receptions he did make and he goes to Carolina and Matt Rule said he's more than just a downfield guy and all of a sudden they turned Robbie Anderson into the short dot player. They made DJ Moore downfield player, you know, that made Robbie Anderson more efficient from a PPR standpoint, but he barely scored touchdowns, did not get the usual yardage. Does that change this year? Do they still view him that way? I expect that this year finds Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore kind of evening out in terms of their roles. I, there's plenty of room for both of them to produce, especially with Curtis Samuel gone. And, I mean, like you said, Mike, it certainly can't hurt that he has worked with the guy that is now Carolina's new quarterback. Yep, I like him. I mean, you're seeing um, lots of wide receivers in these rounds, as usual, that it's not really crazy to see them being outstanding values. You know, that's kind of how it goes, right? You you get rounds five through nine or five through eight, and he's just there's just a lot of, a lot of nice value. And I'm looking to add one more such guy here. And you can especially find such players in that because you only have to start two. There's the two uh, flex spots. We are playing FFPC for in case anybody missed that before. So it's tight end premium, one and a half points per reception for tight ends. Regular PPR for everybody else. You start two wide receivers. You start two running backs. You start a tight end. There are two flex spots, one quarterback. So, Mike, tell us about the pick that you were excited about just now. Curtis Samuel, Adam called it, I think. I called it. I called it. <laughs> What's not to love? Nothing. Not in the ninth, not in the ninth round. It's just, it's a great pick. Last year he was great. Year before he could have been great, but the quarterbacks they had were so bad. You see Twitter every day has got pictures of 
Curtis Samuel running wide open, separating, and passes missing. I mean, Fitzpatrick is no wallflower as a quarterback. He'll take his shots. And so I, I, I'm excited about their offense, and I, they paid Samuel. So the, the coordinators worked with them. I just – I love it. I love all of it. I love the player. The situation went well, you know, going to free agency. What's going to happen with certain guys? I like how it how it ended up for him. I'm curious to see Curtis Samuel this year in Washington because he goes back to the staff that had him working downfield in Carolina a couple of years ago. And it didn't work out, but as you mentioned, Kyle Allen was his most frequent quarterback that season. Kyle Allen is not the guy that you want throwing downfield passes to your wide receivers. Ryan Fitzpatrick is not a stud quarterback, but when you're comparing him to Kyle Allen, certainly a lot better there. So, I mean, do they shorten Curtis Samuel's work a little bit? I mean, that year stood out versus the rest of Curtis Samuel's career with the long A dot versus mostly short stuff. I don't know that a lack of success that year means that they were using him wrong. It might've just been the wrong quarterback. Maybe they get back to that and he, it works out this time and he becomes an even more efficient fantasy scorer, you know, in terms of racking up more yards, more touchdowns on the same level of targets. It's going to be very interesting to watch there in Washington. I like to pick a lot. I think, you know, he's talented. Like, like I said, they, uh, they paid him and he's shown he can, he can score. He can do the things that, that they're probably going to want him to do. So yeah, that's a, that's a great pick there. Uh, rounds. Adam, on the clock in round 10, so we'll check back over round 9. After Robbie Anderson went, A.J. Dillon at 9-2, Matt Ryan at 9-3, Johnny Smith to Kevin's team at 9-4. Kevin was a big Johnny Smith fan in Tennessee. I'm sure he's disappointed. Actually, I know for a fact that he's disappointed that Johnny <laughs> Smith is in New England with Hunter Henry now that necessarily caps his ceiling. Um, but at least he got a better passing quarterback, I guess, in Mac Jones versus Cam Newton at this point. Ryan Tannehill right after that, LaVisca Chenault, Curtis Samuel, as we mentioned to Mike's team, Will Fuller at 9.08, late enough to take a shot on him. Tony Pollard, Damian Harris, Naheem Hines, and Ronald Jones closed out round nine. As everybody takes the shrug, I need a running back. This is who's on the board, players. Adam, any strong feelings on Tony Pollard? I know he's the backup, but is there anything that you're hoping for from him? Yeah, tell Leone to look, look away because I asked him specifically the other night on the podcast, like if I take – Zeke Elliott, should I uh, should I stay away from Tony Pollard? He says yes in best ball. So, uh, but I don't I, I don't care. I think that Pollard is one of the few handcuffs that can be just as good or almost as good as as a starter. So he's proven that that he he can do that. So I have Zeke. Um, I'll handcuff him with Pollard and hopefully uh, lock in a top five running back there. No matter what, unless they both get hurt. So that's kind of the way I look at it there. Um, I was looking for kind of a better tight end. That guy kind of went. A couple guys I wanted went, so I figured I'd just play it safe, take take Pollard, and s- secure that uh, that RB1 spot. Yeah, I can definitely understand the don't handcuff your running backs thing. And in general, I definitely subscribe to it. But I agree that Tony Pollard's one of the few guys that I'm comfy with taking because if Zeke Elliott stays healthy all year and you don't get anything from Pollard, that means Zeke Elliott delivered on where you drafted him. And it's not like Pollard's your second or third running back. So I'm good with that. And then if Elliott does go down, I agree. Pollard's one of the few that looks capable of performing at the same level in terms of fantasy production. And I think more importantly than the talent of the player himself, it's just a situation that you want pieces of because Dallas should be a terrific offense unless Dak Prescott's ankle is just in awful shape this year. And the fact that they re-signed him for that big contract says to me they expect Dak Prescott to be very close to the regular Dak Prescott. 
Exactly. I would have taken Pollard if Samuel had been picked. Of course, that's not a handcuff situation for me, but I feel like Pollard has shown he's a better player than Elliott. And maybe with Prescott back and the season goes a certain way where they just want to do more with him, I don't know, that that assumes that they'll know what they're doing. And a lot of times teams let you down in that way. But another injury with Elliott's age, I, I like Pollard a lot in these. I just got sniped on uh, Jeff Wilson, I have to admit. I had him queued up, hoping to get him. Not a killer. I took David Johnson with him gone. You know, getting to the point where I need to fill in running back, but I'm not going to let you jerks pressure me into it either. I'm going to do it on my own terms. Uh, <laughs> we're on the other side of the 10-11 turn, looking at a rookie and a second-year guy, and I think I'm going to have to take a shot on – Mike, what do you think while, – while Matt's figuring it out, Mike, what do you think about Antonio Brown now in the 10th round? Do you think that's where he kind of set, settles in now that he's signed with the uh, with the Bucks? Is that where his average – Draft position is—is is that where Mojo? I gotta be honest. I'm not. I'm not sure. I think I don't think he's gone that high. I got him at around third round thirteen. So that's that's what you're asking. I don't love him, but okay. he did. I, I heard a stat about how he had more targets per game or something per game than their other guys last year. But I, I don't need Antonio Brown. He's at best their third option, maybe fourth or fifth. I don't know. I feel like yeah. I feel like Gallup is a better idea. Rager yeah, might be a better idea. Mike Williams. Yeah. Yeah. There probably are some, some better options as far as um, just targets over the course of the year, but Brown might have some, some pop weeks. I mean, he didn't really have a preseason with them last year and, but yeah, no, there's probably some good, some more target options there for, for sure. It's okay. Did he have any big games? I don't think so. Honestly, I don't think he had any monsters. No one did. They, they were just, Right. Godwin for five or six, Evans for a touchdown. Um, they they were pretty balanced, as I remember. I'm not looking at their stats, but just felt like consistent, but hardly ever did you have one guy. Godwin had the game on the game in Detroit late in the year where he went off. But speaking, you know, you, you, there's a floor team. So yeah, speaking of Godwin and Evans, I feel like it's a stack I've seen quite often. At, is it the four or five turn where uh, people have been taking Godwin and, and Evans? I like I like that stack a lot to be able to get those 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 two guys uh, for in, in that spot. And then you can also stack them with, with Brady a little later on. So I feel like they've both been going at that. It's either the four or five or the five six turn there. Uh, I think it's pretty pretty sweet. Yeah, and I think that there have been opportunities to stack. You know, a number of the Bucks guys at this point. Tom Brady's been going late enough that he is an attractive stack. You can take either Evans or Godwin or both of them and later take Brady. I think most of us were assuming Antonio Brown would eventually wind up with the Bucs. I know I did that stack a little bit earlier. Um, you know, I think this is a range where it's just fine to take Antonio Brown. The fact that they brought him back at all says that they at least like him to some degree. And as you mentioned, Mike, it does get spread around enough that there are going to be good weeks from all those guys. So I don't have a, a problem with Antonio Brown anywhere in this range. And my second pick there, I was waffling between Trey Sermon and Zach Moss. And if we did this draft a day later – and I knew whether the Bills were taking a running back in round two or round three. My pick might be different. I took a shot on Trey Sermon. I'm hoping that he does not land somewhere behind an established running back at this point. If he goes to one of those good situations on day two here, I'm going to be celebrating. I saw that Kevin took Zach Moss after I took Trey Sermon. So at least if I ended up making the wrong choice there, um, I don't know, I can punch Kevin in the arm and, and feel a little bit better about it. Yeah, landing spots, everything. We're going to learn a lot tonight. I took Michael Carter earlier. 
same kind, different player, but same sort of premise. You know, just you got to get lucky. On one of our deep end shows, we had Jay Moyer on, who loves Carter. I said, um, I teed him up for a question about which of the obvious names is his running back one. He's like, actually, none of them. Uh, <laughs> Carter was his favorite, and then we riffed a little bit on ideal landing spots, and Denver was a was an idea, a team that has somebody in, in position, but that there's room to move in on them. Mm-hmm. So um, that's pretty much what you're getting. Once you get past Javante Williams in the running back class among rookies, I think that's kind of what you're you're facing. Uh, so which one you take, it's really – it's just mostly a guess. Michael Carter in Denver would be like discount Travis Etienne in Jacksonville because just <laughs> like in Jacksonville, there's, you know, backfield mates that are fine but that you could prove to be better than. There's a bunch of receivers who are going to get the ball, but, you know, the ball is going to get spread around. So, yeah, I mean, that would be a nice landing spot for Michael Carter. Exactly. And no no first-round draft pick pressure. Mm-hmm. No, no pressure on the, the team to use the player, on the player to – Excel, you know, Carter is maybe round three. I, I would hope for that, actually. I don't need. I don't think he needs to be second round, but I, I wouldn't want to see him slip to Saturday. Going back to the start of round 10, we had Kenyon Drake go at 10-01, which is a fine range to take Kenyon Drake. I don't know what his role is going to look like. I'm very curious to see what John Gruden has in mind for him because that was a signing that did not make any sense. Josh Jacobs could tear his Achilles tomorrow. And they still overpaid for Kenyon Drake. But, you know, that's kind of a side at this point. Kenneth Gainwell right after that. I really like Kenneth Gainwell. Landing spot's going to matter for him for touch upside. Michael Gallup, Hunter Henry, Eric Ebron went after that. I probably should have taken Eric Ebron before he got to that point. But, you know, oh, well. Uh, Michael Carter to Mike to Mike's team, Cole Komet, Brandon Cooks. That's probably too late for Brandon Cooks at 10.08. You know, certainly FFPC pushes down wide receiver value, and we don't know who the quarterback's going to be in Houston yet, but Brandon Cooks is going to be the number one wide receiver for whoever is throwing passes. Should be in line for 130-plus targets. You know, we'll see how efficient they are, but good spot for volume at the very least. Michael Pittman, Antonio Brown, Jeffrey Wilson at 10.11. David Johnson, Trey Sermon around the turn. And David Johnson, I, I was planning to take Jeff Wilson, David Johnson at those two picks. So I mentioned Wilson got uh, sniped. David Johnson, though, I mean, I was way off on – off meaning not drafting David Johnson at all last year, and I feel good about that decision now. At this point, though, he's in the exact same situation in terms of work. I think his competition is worse than it was when Duke Johnson was the number two running back last year, and yet nobody wants shares of David Johnson at this point. You're at the one at the end of round 10 here. Yeah, no, David Johnson isn't uh, super exciting, but, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that, that backfield kind of kind of pans out there. I absolutely, you know, you brought up the tight ends that got taken. I absolutely hate my tight end core. It's just <laughs> awful. Um, but, uh, yeah, every time I went to t- – every time I had one or two targeted, they would get taken right in front of me. So, hopefully, Hunter Henry can – can carve out a role there. I mean, they sign him in free agency and hopefully have, have a plan for him. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. But yeah, my, my tight ends are gross. Adam on the clock now and you can hear in his voice. It's like the, it's like the bills just took a third round center at the end of round one. He's just subdued because he can't find any exciting rookie wide receivers on the board anymore. Cause he already took all of them. That's uh, right. Kind of wallowed. He didn't take all of them. Ground his sorrows in a Gabe Davis pick in round 12. Adam, how do you feel about that? I love it. You know, I just um, as long as the Bills don't don't take a receiver. Now, I as a as a fan, I, I would like them to take a receiver, but if they don't, I like Gabe Davis in the, in the twelfth round, catching passes from Josh Allen. Is my pick in? Did it go through? I haven't seen it come across yet. So Mike is on the clock now. I think, it's, I think it's probably the Ravens. The Ravens receiver, if he's still. <laughs> he went. 
Is it Bateman? Oh, okay. No, the next huh? one, then. You could take Sammy Watkins at this point. He's available. I'm trying Fishing to take Elijah Moore. Moore. I'm excited yeah. about him tonight. Yes. That, that betting game we played last night. I, I'm trying I, there. I wonder if Green Bay didn't take Elijah Moore last night just to send one last middle finger in the direction of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Okay, we yeah. know you're angry, so we're going to piss you off further by taking a cornerback. That's what you were hoping for, right? I know. I know. I started to say that in that betting game last night, I picked Elijah Moore a lot. I thought there were a lot of good spots there for him, even the Bills. But, you know, that was that was a little greedy, I guess. But uh, nobody. And same thought on Green Bay. You know, what is Green Bay going to do? They're going to take <laughs> – I, I, I think that was a great idea for Green Bay, but they, of course, went for uh, a corner. Yeah, as soon as uh, the Aaron Rodgers stuff was coming up, I jumped on and placed a bet on the Packers to take an offensive player. That was the that was that, that was the sucker bet of the, the, the evening. <laughs> mortgage next month. I'm gonna have to figure it out. You know, it just seemed like such I don't know. It seemed like such a gimme, especially if you're not gonna trade Aaron Rodgers. This is a, a way to maybe assuage him, and maybe not. I mean, he he seems. Uh, I've never met Aaron Rodgers. He seems fairly self-centered. Where I don't think that drafting a wide receiver is gonna make him happy all of a sudden, but it couldn't hurt to give him somebody else to throw the ball to, but did not take that opportunity, took a corner. I don't know. I guess we'll see where things go there. It's back to my turn. I've got a running back that I was considering last turn. Let me just check and make sure. Yep. I think it's a good time to take Gus Edwards. Uh, just to make sure that Mike didn't take him next time, because we know he feels about Ravens the way that Mike Mayock feels about Clemson players. <laughs> I'm going to take Rob Gronkowski around the turn to be my second tight end. Rob Gronkowski finished last season quietly. He was doing a lot of blocking, not as many targets. But, I mean, I was wondering if he was going to retire after that season. Decided not to. He's back there in Tampa Bay. Still in a good spot to at least catch touchdowns. I don't know. We'll see. But he's going later than I would have anticipated after – Solidifying that he's returning for this season. It does. It does. OJ Howard have have life. That team. So many guys. I mean, still other running backs to talk about, and we mentioned there's Antonio Brown. There's Tyler Johnson. There's just what I a, think what there's a life to OJ Howard long term. Still, I also think that it sure seems like Bruce Arians is not a huge fan because even before Rob Gronkowski season. It was O.J. Howard letting him down on game days and him saying, I don't know what the problem is. He looks good in practice when we get to the games, and he stinks. Not in those exact words, but basically in those terms. So it's tough for me to imagine O.J. Howard claiming a lot this year. I'm betting on him long term. I think if you're playing dynasty, O.J. Howard's a good buy right now because he's going to be around the league longer than Bruce Arians, whether it's in Tampa Bay or elsewhere. Uh, he's about to hit his second contract. So if the Bucks give up on him, he's got a chance to go somewhere else and still deliver on that athletic promise. I, I have breaking news. Jared Smola says that um, that Gronk was out targeted. He thinks by OJ Howard when they were both healthy last year. So that's just a little little piece of info there. Let's I guess we'll see where it goes this season. But isn't it isn't it an Achilles tear that OJ Howard's coming off of? Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. Yeah, <laughs> so we'll see where that goes. But certainly round thirteen, uh, I'll take what I get from him. Some okay tight ends left on the board. It's getting a little skimpy there, and that those, of course, matter a lot in FFPC. Quarterbacks, lots of those coming off the board. We'll recap a little bit um, as we get past uh, Mike's pick here in round 13. So just to go back a little bit, we have 
Let's see. So Kirk Cousins late in round 11 came off the board right after Gerald Everett at tight end. There is somebody with some upside. To Adam's team, Adam, is it, do you feel any better about your tight ends after taking Gerald Everett, or was that the pick that made you say, oh, I don't even like what's left? Yeah, that was – I made Gerald Everett before. I told you how much I hated my tight ends. <laughs> it's, it's just – it's gotten worse and worse. Howard, now that I got that little tidbit from, from Smola. There you go. Feel free to go ahead and take him. I'll allow it. Kirk Cousins after him, Baker Mayfield, J.D. McKissick, Denzel Mims, Rashad Bateman, Mike Williams, Gabe Davis, Austin Hooper, Elijah Moore, Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay, I started out, once he signed in Houston, I started out thinking, oh, maybe he outperforms David Johnson this year. Then I went back and looked at the efficiency stuff. You know, not the traditional numbers, but the advanced metrics kind of stuff. He did not outperform David Johnson in any of them last year. Philip Lindsay was actually disappointing from an efficiency standpoint. I think that's probably why they didn't bring him back in Denver and instead opted to sign Mike Boone and let Philip Lindsay go. So, I mean, there's room for Philip Lindsay to be the more productive running back, but I don't think it's likely at this point unless David Johnson gets hurt. Lindsay is just another one of those guys where the team did not have enough invested for it to really – the wrong team, like I think Buffalo used to be and Jacksonville is – Denver, the, a team without much invested, just could not bring itself to accept what it had in a good player. And so he never was sort of given the job. Then they bring in Melvin Gordon in their way. And now Houston, I mean, they signed him, but they have other guys, like you're saying, and I don't know what kind of commitment that represents. So I, I think of him as somebody good, uh, given uh, allowing for what you said in terms of the stats. I think Lindsay's done well for his career, but um, teams don't love him. His teams have just not loved him like they need to for him to be a huge hit in fantasy. Yeah, I think we're past the point of Philip Lindsay being likely to rebound from, you know, his slide after the, the rookie season that shocked everybody. So looking beyond those picks, we got, let's see, stopped at Philip Lindsay. Then Jalen Rager went late in round 12. I know he's a favorite of Kevin's, a favorite of mine in these early best ball drafts because there's plenty upside. Probably going to fall even a little bit from an ADP just outside the top 50 wideouts now that they had Devontae Smith on hand. Adam Troutman to Kevin's team, then Zach Ertz, Darnell Mooney, Gus Edwards to my team, as I mentioned, Rob Gronkowski, T.Y. Hilton, Alexander Madison, another one of those handcuff types. And Adam, that's your buddy, Vooch, Sam Gallo. Was he the uh, Dalvin Cook drafter back in round one? Is that another example of handcuffing the, the backup to a starter? That, that was him, exactly. There you go. So Adam and his buddy both bucking the trend. They're forgetting, pushing aside analytics guys that say, do not draft your handcuff and saying, shut up, nerd. I'm taking him anyway. Get him, get him out of the way. That's sure to work. That's sure, to, sure work. to work. Shut That's up, right. nerd is always sure to work. That's right. Alpha males in this draft room only. Okay. It has such a great track record of success. Look at how sports is trending. Definitely trending away from the nerds and the quants. <laughs> Teams are that just getting rid of those guys. No, not, not mine. I never see every, every day a new story about some <laughs> Ivy League guy getting fired so they can hire a sports writer. That's right. That's and right. Then at, there go Adam and Sam down the road in a van chanting, O'Doyle rules! O'Doyle rules! <laughs> so after Alexander Madison, we had Daniel Jones, who's got a whole bunch of new weapons. You know what? Daniel Jones should be calling Aaron Rodgers and giggling right now and hanging up. He's like, look, my, my team cares about me. Look who they signed. They gave me this guy and this guy. Uh, after Daniel Jones, Blake Jarwin, Carson Wentz, Trey Lance, Latavius Murray, Cole Beasley, 
Terrace Marshall, Jared Cook, and then my godson, Justin Fields, probably went, or, or finally went at 13-12. Honestly, I had a hard time passing on him last turn. But Justin Fields, I think, has immediate upside regardless of the situation. It, rushing it, upside, definitely, and hopefully he, he hopefully he gets the starting job there sooner rather than later. Very interesting quarterback stretch in that round. I was ready to take Jones. I like Jones a lot as a quarterback, too. Uh, a lot of potential there. And then Wentz, who I've never liked, but I was sort of thinking I would do that. And, of course, Watson. Now Watson is picked by Adam, so we can talk about him. Like, just unbelievable names you see picked before Watson. I don't know. Does he play half a season? Does he play for Denver still? Does he play for a different team? Who knows? But just the, the way that that has played out. Uh, but I couldn't do it. There's always someone else you can take. You know, like if you just don't know if the guy's going to be on the field. So that led me to Lance. I think it's early for Lance, but you got to love the opportunity he's got. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Watson, I mean, in the in the 14th round, right, of a, of a $35 best ball, I'll probably take – I'll probably do that every single time. But <laughs> it kind of forces me to take a third a third QB, which isn't ideal in a in a best ball slim. You know, whatever, because if, if, if Watson plays, it's obviously a – you know, a six or seven rounds were worth the value there or more. So um, I'll take it. Yeah. I should probably mention this is a best ball slim. It's not one of those 28 round monsters. I, it probably would have been, but then Adam was setting it up and was like, Oh crap. If we go 28 rounds, Matt's going to kick my butt because those <laughs> rounds, you know, beyond round 18, those late rounds are where uh, the, the prep really kills you, but you know, it's a best ball slim here. Um, so it, it's 18 rounds. And we don't see guys like Travis Fulgham getting back. That's right. 28 rounds are for nerds, Matt. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. It'll never catch on. <laughs> no. Plus, I'm on the air at three, so I didn't have 28 right. rounds in me, I think. I don't know if that was <laughs> considered, right. but I appreciate it if it was. It was considered. Yes, it was. It was the Mike show of what fits into your daily schedule uh, <laughs> league on FFPC. Yes, thank you so much. <laughs> All right, yes, so it's my turn around the 14-15 turn. I did finally take my second quarterback. I went with uh, Derek Carr over Ben Roethlisberger. Could have gone either way, frankly, but I hate Ben Roethlisberger, so that's the tiebreaker for me. And then Marvin Jones. Again, I could have taken some other wide receiver there, but I figured Marvin Jones stacking with DJ Chark is the way to go at that point as a tiebreaker. If DJ Chark goes down, Marvin Jones is a similar guy in that he's got the downfield upside. Obviously, everybody there is helped now by Trevor Lawrence. But really, that chance, that's, that's kind of like the handcuff with the running backs. But, I, you know, in this case, I don't need one of those guys to get hurt for numbers to come in any given week. I like the uh, Marvin Jones pick a lot. That's when, we were, when I was running through Jacksonville earlier, I just forgot that they did that. But just a very consistently solid contributor in fantasy, and I don't think his landing spot is a problem, really. He, that's one of those moves that's easy to forget, given the offseason overall and given all of the things going on in Jacksonville that you want to talk about, especially after the Travis Etienne draft pick. You're like, oh, yeah, Marvin Jones landed there. Yeah, I think it's similar to the to Tampa Bay situation last year in that there's room for each of those top three receivers to be the guy that scores points in that given week. At the very least, I'll take Marvin Jones for those two weeks a year where he scores three touchdowns and goes for 200 yards and then does nothing the rest of the season. You still want that to be week 17 like it was last year. Okay. <laughs> Although at least this year I'll get week 17, and as long as he doesn't do it in week yes. 18. <laughs> yes. That's right. Yeah. 
So we are into round 15 here. We're halfway through round 15. After Derek Carr, Marvin Jones, Josh Reynolds went, Ben Roethlisberger, Sam Darnold, Rondale Moore, who does not have a home yet. We'll see about round two for him. Curious to see whether Rondale Moore is a round two or round three pick. Paris Campbell, Mike took Nicole Hardman. That's the other guy I was weighing against Marvin Jones. Uh, there's only upside to Nicole Hardman at this point in the draft, right, Mike? Feels right. We'll see if they add somebody. They tried, Kansas City. That was curious. You know, people seem to get it when some of those receiver names didn't join the Ravens, but Juju also spurned the Chiefs. Like, they, they were trying to add there, too. Maybe that's a team that does something like that tonight. But, you know, Hardman, just a, a choppy start to his career, but you said flashed. I mean, there's definitely useful speed. He was important in the, in the AFC Championship game. So, um, yeah, I think he's nice late in these. I think he's nice. Yeah, I mean, the, the, really at the point where you draft him this year, there's only upside. If he continues on the path he's been, yeah, it doesn't hurt you. He's, at the very least, he's going to give you a couple of good weeks. The fact that they were going after wideouts this offseason has me thinking that the Chiefs are disappointed in Nicole Hardman's development to this point. You know, assuming that they thought that he was going to turn into a regular wide receiver, maybe they just thought – we got a guy that can return kicks. He will give us something as a wide receiver. Maybe he's not ever going to be a starter, or maybe it'll take a while for him to be a starter. I guess we'll see the development. But, yeah, the thing you like about a player like that is that, at the very least, he has that upside to have a four catch for 120 yards in a touchdown game in, you know, a couple times a year. Yes. I mean, they're just not – they're not deep. We talked a lot about Edwards Hilaire and that draft pick here in Buffalo with the draft coming up and whether the Bills would draft ETN. They ultimately didn't get the chance to without – having traded up and you know that the Edward Tiller pick was so popular and it seemed to make so much sense, but look at what Kansas city was at wideout through the playoffs. I mean, Byron Pringle and Demarcus Robinson and, and Hartman, like they're, they, they could have look at the receivers who were picked in the second, third round last year. You know, they, they definitely uh, in hindsight, but probably would have been better off that way. So I mean, teams that are good at, are good at wide receiver and they look deep, I don't, I don't think you can be deep enough. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the Chiefs, if they add somebody, I don't think that has to squeeze out Hardman. But uh, you have to cross your fingers because of what you said about, you know, whether they're sort of down on him at this point. It's a, it's a good question. Yeah, even if it keeps him in the role he's been in, though, he can he can still help you in this kind of format. You know, you definitely love it when you don't have to decide when to start Nicole Hardman because he's yeah. he doesn't seem like he's going to be that kind of player yet. Adam passed on O.J. Howard – in round 15 for the Emmanuel Sanders to Gabe Davis stack. Adam, is that the thinking, stacking Emmanuel Sanders with Gabe Davis? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't disrespect me. Easily. I got all three of them, baby. Okay? <laughs> got all three of them. Now, I will admit, Emmanuel Sanders, it timed out because my computer, because the draft room was acting up. But I had him in my in my queue just in case. Three Bills receivers on, on this team. Don't, don't hate that at all. So – uh, right now, I'm going to go ahead and pull the trigger on Christopher Herndon to add to my disgusting tight end crew. There's, so, no, there's no disrespect toward Cole Beasley from here. I think he does that to himself a little bit when he does the man bun when he comes off the field in between <laughs> drives. But uh, no disrespect for him as a player. He's fun to watch. And, uh, I mean, certainly after the year they just had, it makes sense to take fairly low-risk shots on members of that pass-catching court. That's right. Speaking of low risk, Jameson Crowder just came off the board in the middle around 16, right after Chris Herndon. Uh, I haven't done as many FFPC drafts as other places. I know the wide receivers get pushed down, um, but it, Adam, do you know if this is kind of where we expect to see Jameson Crowder 
go or if this is late for him? I think this is a little late for him, but I was I was huge on Jamison Crowder last year, and he I think he definitely hit. Um, but he had that good rapport with, with, with the quarterback, with Darnold there, and Gase loved throwing him the ball all the time. So I think with without you know with a, with a new quarterback and a new O coordinator and all that, you know, there's too much question. There's too many questions there. But again, I mean, he could still be the, the best receiver there. So I think he's certainly worth worth a shot here in the, in the 16th round. Yeah, I would expect the target share to come down some after they paid Corey Davis and with Denzel Mims heading into year two. And, I, you know, we would hope healthier than he was as a rookie. But still, I mean, I think we have to head into the season expecting Jamison Crowder to be the lead target there. So we'll see where it goes. At the very least, he's a, a value option right now. Mike, I think we just got your pick in round 16 as well, and it's Damian Williams. So what is it that keeps drawing you to Damian Williams? That's That's the right question. <laughs> uh, maybe you know he, he's been good they have Cohen who's coming off an injury but they still went and did that a lot of teams I, look at the same saying that like a lot of teams made those sort of running back signings maybe Matt Breida is that in Buffalo maybe Gio Bernard is that in Tampa we're like let's just see what happens in the draft we'll add somebody on the cheap and give, our, give ourselves a little bit of insurance but you know Williams has done things in the league and also, maybe it's a new Chicago with Fields. Like that was a very non-Chicago Bears kind of move. I mean, I think he gets on the field. That's what happens with rookies. I'm one of the, you know, the the many voices that feel like Fields was undervalued in this draft. Maybe quarterback two. And so the the coach and the staff there had a good reputation before they got there for for running offense. Um, it's a bet on Williams to become some sort of a useful part of that at a stage of this draft when it's really just like rookie dart throws otherwise. Yeah, my uh, there's certainly nothing there, – there's no downside to taking a shot on him at this point. My concern is that they gave him a contract that doesn't guarantee he makes the regular season roster. There's not a whole lot of guaranteed money. I think it's less than $100,000. So, I mean – if he makes the regular season roster, he's in a good spot with three Cohen's injury uh, that he's rebounding from in particular. So, you know, we'll see where it goes. There's there's upside from a handcuff type of standpoint. I'll be curious to see how things work out there. And I mean, I love Justin Fields, so his arrival certainly didn't hurt anybody there. I'm up at the 16-17 turn. Started with John Brown. I was kind of surprised to still see him there. I kind of forgot to look for him. But especially after taking Derek Carr, I'll take the guy who could lead that team in targets. Uh, nobody I love with the second pick. So I think I'm just going to round out at, at tight end and take somebody with some upside. Dan Arnold, I'm not excited about. But as a, a third tight end, I, they signed him for pretty solid money for Dan Arnold, given that he hasn't done a whole lot. He does have some history um, with the coaching staff there. So, you know, we'll see. I'm assuming that at least they have a bigger plan for him than they had for Ian Thomas last year. He barely did anything. Adam, have you seen Dan Arnold be a target? I know there are some, at least pockets of Dan Arnold, I don't know, fans out there. Have you seen him be a consistent late round target in FFPC best balls? Honestly, um, he usually goes, yeah, he's usually one of those guys that kind of goes at the end of the draft um, it really just depends on, and he definitely has regular best balls, right? So this, this is a slim, so he might not get drafted all the time in the slims, mm -hmm. but in a 28 round draft, I think every starting tight end or borderline starting tight end is going to get drafted. So yeah, at this point in the off season, take a shot at Arnold, he's athletic, you know, uh, they just got to get him more involved in the, in the passing game there. But yeah, at this point, you're just taking guys that you have 
kind of gut feelings about. But yeah, third third tight end, it's I don't I don't think it's gonna make you or break you. Everybody's staying away from Hayden Hurst to this point, by the way, after Kyle Pitts got drafted last night. I mean, Hayden Hurst didn't start out draft season as an exciting option. I thought early when there was no Kyle Pitts in the picture, I, I was surprised at how late he was going. Now, I mean, I wonder if Hayden Hurst is just going to fall to the 200s in terms of ADP and just not normally get drafted. Right now he's, uh, I don't know, I, I, I can't even do the math that quick, but probably 100 spots, beyond, not 100, but like at least 80 spots beyond the ADP that he's listed at. Yeah, I think it's because, too, he busted last year. You know, he, he had high expectations going into a passing game that made Austin Hooper like a top three tight end the year before. And so, um, yeah, I just think the combination of him busting and, and them expecting – um, the rookie to be, you know, uh, a Hall of Fame to tight end. Uh, I think uh, that's that's what's pushed him down here, and he's he's in the. He'll probably start going a little bit higher once the dust settles on the situation. But uh, but yeah, I think he's he's going to drop significantly. In the middle of round sixteen, we had Traquan Smith pick. I thought that Jared wasn't involved in this draft, and maybe he's just drafting under a pseudonym there because I think Jared Mola is the one who picks Traquan Smith all the time. Uh, normally the, the Chris Herndon drafter too, but um, Adam stepped in in that role here just because he's ready to scoop up everybody's disappointing tight ends. Uh, any picks stand out to you guys in round 16? We had uh, Traquan Smith, AJ Green, Alan Lazard, Gio Bernard. You know, it's not exciting time, but anything jump out for any reason? AJ Green is a great discussion every time. Like you just, there, there is some chance that he still, he still got it. And there's some chance that it's over at times last couple of years. I mean, he wasn't on the field a lot, but it looked more like it was over. But um, you can like the quarterback and maybe in a different role, he can be useful. So he's always a good discussion. I have no real appetite for him in these drafts, but I once in a while, maybe. Was Kevin the uh, Derrick Henry drafter back in round one? No, he's Saquon Barkley. So he didn't say, shut up, nerds, and take the – the handcuff. He took somebody else's handcuff in case uh, he took Darrington Evans just now, which is why I'm talking about him. Did not to handcuff to Derrick Henry, but just in case Derrick Henry goes down. I want to see if Tennessee is one of the teams that's in a market for running back over the next couple rounds. Because if Derrick Henry does go down, I don't think Darrington Evans is a 16 to 20 touch per game guy. Nope. Yeah. There was really no evidence of anything is rookie year, right? You get, you're sort of leaning on, right, Matt, sort of what his profile was when he was drafted a year ago? Yeah, and I mean, I think at this stage, it makes sense because right now he is the second back in Tennessee. They liked him. I think they took him in round three, so clearly they liked him. And he's the style of player that should be able to compliment Derrick Henry. Didn't happen last year. Some of it was injury. I wasn't the biggest Darrington Evans fan, Darrington Evans fan going into last year's draft, but you know there is opportunity again. We're talking about round 17, 18. Uh, there's there's really only upside from here. It's not going to kill you if he doesn't work out. Adam got back to rookies here, by the way. Who'd you find? Kylan Hill in round 17, and then that was two picks after Mike took Nico Collins. So I guess first, Mike, are you a Nico Collins fan, or did you just look around and think you liked his upside versus what else was there wide up? No, I mean when it comes to rookies especially before we know where they are. I'll usually defer to guys I read and trust, and that includes you guys. And a guy I feel that way about at Rotowire, Mario Puig, and I just, I've read a lot of smart Nico Collins is actually good, you know, press. So now what we need is for him to, for some team to think that mm -hmm. and for him to get drafted tonight. 
which is not a given, I think. There's a lot of wide receiver options, but that, that's the play there. Yeah, and Nico Collins is a guy that has come up lately uh, over and over, just in, I don't know, in what I've been paying attention to. Jared likes him, thinks he's a potential sleeper. Then we had um, Rich Rebar on the show, and he singled out Nico Collins as an upside guy at that range. And I, it, it sounds like not only is Nico Collins likely to go tonight, it seems like, but I, maybe he goes in round two. It seems like at this point I wouldn't be shocked if he sneaks into round two, and that would certainly be a nice spot for the likelihood of him seeing early opportunities. I, I'd love it. Love to see it. Adam, what are you hoping for from Kylan Hill here? That he goes to the Bengals? I have no clue. I don't know anything about Kylan Hill. I just, like Mike said, I went to DraftSharks.com, and I said, who's the next? You know, I would rather take a rookie that, you know, we don't know anything about in the NFL yet. You know, we don't know a landing spot, nothing like that. I'd rather take a flyer on something like that rather than, um, you know, a, a running back in the league for a while and kind of know his, his upside's capped. So took Kylan Hiller. I needed another running back. I think I only had four. So that gives me five. Um, and then I rounded it off with, uh, with, with a quarterback. And I took Jared Goff just because I needed another body in case Deshaun Watson doesn't play. Adam, I feel like I can hear in your tone how you feel about your team as you finish up the draft. But I feel like I should ask, as a journalist, uh, how do you feel about your team? How do you feel about the execution of your team? Man, I there's some stuff I love. Like I love the Bengals stack. I love the Bills stack. I didn't mean to go that you know heavy on the Bills stack, uh, Emmanuel Sanders. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I – I like my my top uh, the top of my running back board here, but yeah, Kylan Hill I don't have know much about. Uh, Travis Etienne is a guy that could make or break the team, right? So if he ends up having a nice role there, getting twelve carries, getting six targets a game there, um, I think uh, I think my draft really relies on him. Um, and if Deshaun Watson plays in the fourteenth round, to have him kind of show out would be would be would be awesome. Uh, I'm a little surprised that Jerry Judy, I keep getting him in the eighth round of drafts. We didn't get a chance to talk about him this pod, but maybe we'll talk about him next time. But Judy, I feel like in the eighth round is kind of undervalued. Uh, you know, I know Bridgewater and Locker, they're competing, but uh, I think I think Judy can can take the next step this year. Yeah, Last night for about an hour, he seemed really undervalued. Yes, correct. Yeah. All right, Mike, how about your team? Because we have your team completed as well. How do you feel about what you built? Well, at this point, I feel like I know – the ranges for players and the maybe the next level for me after last year getting my feet wet with drafts like the Draft Sharks Invitational and others playing against a lot of good competition is all right now I need to be tighter when it comes to how many players per position and and more just like structure and we talked to Mike Leone on the deep end the other night and, and I, he there's an axiom that I just really want to make sure I never lose sight of which is you, you have to assume success in certain areas, like to win at these. It's easy to sort of pile up running backs thinking like, well, what if this guy gets hurt, handcuffs and all the rest. But I drafted Jonathan Taylor and Nick Chubb, and if they're not great, I won't win. So I don't want to waste too much energy trying to figure out what I'm going to do if I lose Jonathan Taylor or Nick Chubb. You know, like those are my those are my studs. And then, you know, you sort of get freed up to do more interesting things at wide receiver. Obviously, you have a lot of Baltimore on this team. I don't hate it. I'm willing to take that chance. The price is right. Watkins at the end. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, a couple of times here, I tried to sort of get a rise out of you guys. But I think, like, structure is important. I'm going, to, I'm going with two quarterbacks. I'm going with two tight ends. And 
piling up wide receivers, hoping to string together three or four good games a week. That's, I think, one of the key differences to best ball now that we're doing more of that and not just traditional things where you have a team or two or three and you're drafting every team as though, you know, it's the title team that you want to put together. You, you have to know that some of these teams are going to lose and you don't say, well, what do I get to fortify this position? As you said, Mike, it's, you know, if, if that guy doesn't work out, then this team is trash and I hope that my other teams just make up for it. So, you know, it's a different mindset. It's one I have had trouble with at times, but uh, this is a fun draft. I ended up with two quarterbacks as well, went three tight ends. I closed out with an eight wide receiver, took Anthony Miller at the end, who could be a trade guy over the next couple of days. We'll see if he's in Chicago. If he does stay in Chicago, Justin Fields improves his situation. But if he goes elsewhere, I think there's a chance that he lands in a good spot. Five running backs. I don't love the group there, but you know, if I get Christian McCaffrey staying healthy, I don't really need all that much out of the, the rest of those four guys. Right. And if he doesn't, you'll get beat like last year, right? I mean, that's just how it goes. So really fun to do, uh, especially draft weekend. This would be fun to do again Sunday after everything changes in the next two days. Just more more new information. I'm looking forward to Sunday so I can just sort of rank everybody finally. You know, yeah. like rookie drafts and super flex drafts. What are you supposed to think is coming other than Trevor Lawrence and and whoever, like Kyle Pitts almost doesn't matter where he went, but now there's some clarity. There'll be a lot more tonight that I look forward to sorting that out. Yes. We got some answers. We're all looking forward to getting the rest of them. Adam Krautwurst, Mike Show, thank you for joining me in the draft and on air for this. Thank you all for watching. We will be, uh, thank you for listening. Assuming that you're listening to this after the fact on audio, I will post this as a podcast. So you can find us on Twitter. We are at Draft Sharks. I am at ShoutDS. Mike is at Shope Talk. That's S-C-H-O-P-P Talk. Adam is at Adam underscore Krautwurst. Now we will be following night two of the draft as well and day three uh, through rounds two and three. Check the Shark Bites section. Follow the instant reactions there. Jared and I will certainly be reacting to stuff as well with more videos and podcasts. So that's going to do it for me and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew. I'm Matt Schau saying thanks so much for drafting with us.